Welcome to Didache, where we are studying to show ourselves approved, rightly dividing the word of truth so we can worship God in spirit and truth, deepening our knowledge of God, thereby enabling us to deepen our love for God. Here is your host, Justin Peters. Welcome to the program, ladies and gentlemen. I hope that this finds you and yours doing well, and I want to thank you for joining me. Today, we will finish up our series entitled Santa Paul's Biblical Consideration of Santa Claus. And I want to conclude by sharing a few emails that I've received from you and uh, talk about those a little bit and then just a couple of concluding thoughts. So let's get right to it. Uh, First email Dear Justin, Thank you so very much for your program and your deep commitment to the truth, all caps, truth. My family and I always enjoy listening to your program. We have learned so much through your careful teaching. We have been really thrilled at your series on Santa. We never taught our children to believe in Santa, and that seemed to bring a lot of controversy no matter where we were. usually does. Uh, My parents were highly offended and said that we were not being fair and that Santa taught our children to be good. My husband and I thought it wrong to lie to our children, good for you, rightly so, uh, uh, to teach them to believe in this being who they could not see, but trust that he would bring them good things. We felt it could possibly cause confusion down the road with their faith and believe in God, again, very wise. When children learn that Santa isn't real, we didn't think it was too far removed that they might wonder when God stops being real. In fact, one day when my youngest son was about four or five, we were in the grocery store checkout lane. Naturally, he decided to act up and try to add candy to his little cart. So as I was correcting him, the woman in front of us decided to interject that Santa was watching. My little boy promptly replied that Santa isn't real. (laughs) This lady was taken aback and glared at me while trying to convince my son that Santa was real. I was pretty offended, but explained that we made Christmas about the birth of our dear Savior. Uh, now, mind you, now mind you, this was several years ago, as our children are now 26, 20, and uh, 17. At any rate, we absolutely loved your historical account of Santa. There was much in it that we didn't know or hadn't put together these past couple of days, as you have shared the attributes of Santa and how they are, in fact, God's and his alone. We are all the more convinced that we did the right thing when our children were younger. Thank you so very much for this series. We are very grateful to you and your precious wife for sharing you with all of us uh, in Christ. And I'll leave the name out. Uh, I want to thank this dear sister for her very kind email and uh, so true. I mean, boy, Santa causes so much, so much tension in uh, so many homes. I mean, it it is just unbelievable. Uh, uh, And people people get really riled up, which is interesting to me. Because the very same people that will say, oh, well, Santa's no big deal. We keep Jesus as the focus of Christmas, but we still do Santa. He's no big deal. It's interesting how defensive, how defensive they get and how quickly they get so defensive. If you were to, if you were to say anything negative about Santa, the, the very same people that say, oh, he's no big deal. Jesus is the reason for the season. We keep the focus on him, but we still do Santa. Boy, if you were to, if you were to, um, challenge them, um, even lovingly so, from a biblical standpoint, maybe they shouldn't do sin. And boy, I tell you, you watch some you watch some cackles getting raised very, very quickly. And uh, so, and that to me, that in and of itself to me, says a lot about just how real 
Santa is. You remember what we were talking about, First Corinthians 10? No, the gods of wood and stone are not real, but there are spiritual forces at work behind this that are very real. And uh, so anyway, but thank you for that email. Thank you so much. You and your husband absolutely did the right thing. Okay, um, uh, the next email, this also from a sister in Christ. She writes, Justin, rejoicing in your uncompromising bravery on confronting the St. Nicholas issue. I have personally taken this stand for years after being biblically born again in hearing, really hearing, the lyrics of the song, Santa Claus is Coming to Town, through a biblical worldview. I was literally appalled when I realized that the song applies the attributes of the biblical God to the man or myth of St. Nicholas. Lyrics promoting Santa's omniscience and omnipresence, such as, He sees you when you're sleeping, He knows when you're awake, He sees if you've been bad or good. Uh, Once again, a Catholic form of necromancy. Praying to the dead, condemned by scripture. Blessings, a fellow Berean in Christ, and she gives her name. Uh, I want to thank you, uh, dear sister, as well for this email. And uh, you are absolutely right. And you know, this is, uh, I, I love this email too, because she, notice how she says, after being biblically born again and really hearing the lyrics of the song, Santa Claus is Coming to Town, then uh, she she put two and two together. And, you know, that's that's what we're supposed to do. That's what First Thessalonians 5.21 is all about. Test all things. Hold fast to that which is good. And uh, you may have heard me say before that that verse test all things that's not written there just to take up the white spaces it's there for a reason uh, this dear lady was born again she was a sheep who heard the call of her shepherd and she was born again and uh, as you would expect from a believer begins to read and study God's word and begins to do what first Thessalonians 521 tells us to do uh, test all things uh, through the lens of scripture and uh, so uh, thank you very much for this. Very, very encouraging. And uh, indeed, uh, a, a lot of Catholic overtones to this whole Santa Claus myth. Absolutely. All right. Uh, the, the next email I'm going to read, and this also comes from a sister in the Lord. And uh, her email was, was quite um, lengthy, and, and uh, but she asked that uh, that it not be read on air. She said, please don't give my name, so I'm certainly not going to do that. In fact, I'm not including any names here. Uh, but, uh, but out of sensitivity to her request, I'm just going to read a small part of this and uh, talk about it. And uh, she says, she, well, a little bit of background. Santa has been a very big issue in her family, um, um, both immediate family members and uh, slightly extended family members, very, very big issue. And um, uh, just so you know, uh, dear sister and, and others listening, you're not alone. Um, this has I've heard from so many people, uh, both in this series and uh, an article that I wrote entitled Santa Paul's uh, several years ago. So many people have emailed me and told me that uh, this has been a big issue in, in their family as well. And they Once they came to genuine faith in Christ, 
and studied scripture and began to understand some of the attributes of God, they said, you know, no, no, we're not going to, we're not going to do this. For one thing, we're not going to lie to our kids and we're just not going to do this. But you know, as soon as you do that, as soon as you take that stand, there's going to be people, quite possibly members of your own family, to accuse you of being a legalist, accuse you of being holier than thou, accuse you of, of being arrogant. Um, that's, you know, it's unfortunate, but that's just the way it is. This is, this is soft persecution. Uh, no, nobody's shoving bamboo shoots up our fingernails or anything, but it is. So it's not hard persecution like that, but it is soft persecution. And, uh, reading the entirety of her email, uh, she has been through quite a bit of, uh, soft persecution because of this Santa issue. And, uh, but she closed her email with a question. So I'll just read the question. And she says, so my question would be, uh, even though this shows you have probably, your, your playing have probably already been recorded. Well, somewhere, somewhere, and I'm recording this one now. But anyway, she says, is it a stumbling block issue, a liberty issue, that a person should keep their view of it between themselves and God and let others do whatever is not sin to them and let those who think it is sin uh, leave them alone, not judge them for not doing the whole Santa thing? Or is it a bigger issue than that where we should proclaim it? Uh, not that I will lie about believing in Santa if someone asks. So basically your question is this. Uh, should we just kind of agree to disagree? You know, she's, she's not compromising on what she believes about Santa at all. Uh, she's steadfast in that. But her question is, is it a, I guess, is it, you know, is it a hill worth dying on? Is it, it's, is, is it, uh, is it something that we should just, um, for the sake of peace, uh, keep our convictions? Yes, but don't make a big deal about it. And if other professing believers have no problem with Santa, you know, don't say anything and just kind of let everybody do what they want to do and believe what they want to believe. Well, um, I think it is a very important issue because of all of the reasons that we've discussed. It is important because of the attributes of God, and uh, it's especially when it's uh, it's a, a matter in the in, in the home with family members. I, I have I think you should take a stand and tell people what you believe and why you believe it, and and ask them this question. Say, if if we were to be able to sit down with Jesus Christ, if we were to be able to see him and sit down around the, you know, whatever, the dining room table and, and have a conversation with him and ask him the following question, Jesus, are you okay with us teaching our kids that there is this figure, this being out there who possesses many of your attributes are you okay with us teaching our kids that he is real and that he is watching them omnisciently from, you know, the North Pole? And he's a real figure, and he's going to come see them once a year. He has many of your attributes. Obviously, he's not real, but we're going to teach our kids that he is real. And so, yes, we really are, in fact, lying to our kids and telling them that there is this figure that possesses many of your attributes. And by the way, we're going to do this on your quote-unquote birthday, aside from the fact that December 25th was not technically his birthday, but aside from that. But we're going to do this on the day 
that we set aside to honor your incarnation, are you okay with that? And dear friends, I cannot imagine any scenario in which Jesus would say, yep, I'm okay with that. That's fine. Go ahead and lie to your kids. Go ahead and tell your kids that there's this being that looks an awful lot like me, that he's real. So I've got a, kind of got this yuletide twin out there. Uh, yep, that's okay. I'm, I'm cool with that. Dear friends, I cannot imagine um, a scenario in which Jesus would say, yeah, that's okay. That's fine. It's okay. No, it, it is a big deal. And I know most people don't look at it that way. I know that, but that doesn't mean it's right. It doesn't mean it's okay. It's not okay. It's not okay to lie to your kids. It's not okay to ascribe the attributes of God to some other figure and teach your kids it's real. It's not okay. And it doesn't matter what I think about it. It doesn't matter what you think about it. What matters is is what God thinks about it. Well, how can we know what God thinks about it? Because it's in his word. No, Santa Claus is not in his word, but his attributes are in his word. Uh, the commandments are in his word. The moral character of God, it's in his word. The jealousy of God is in his word. So we know, we know, we don't have to wonder, we don't have to speculate, we don't have to pontificate upon it. We know how God would feel. We know it. It's not even up for debate. Uh, speaking of jealousy, um, there's a there's an enlightening story in Scripture. I want to share this with you. There's a man named Phineas, P-H-I-N-E-H-A-S. Phineas uh, was driven by jealousy for God, and this is record. Excuse me. This is recorded in. Uh, mm, pardon me. Numbers chapter 25. Uh, you can look this up, Numbers chapter 25. But Phineas was driven by jealousy for God. And you know what Phineas did? He ran a spear through an Israeli man and a Midianite woman. So he made him a, he made him a human shish kebab, basically. That's what he did. He ran a spear through them, uh, through an Israelite man and a Midianite woman uh, with, with whom he had joined himself in worship to Baal. B-A-A-L, Baal, pagan god. Phineas saw this, this Israeli man, joined himself to a Midianite woman uh, and, and who was worshiping Baal, and he joined himself to her, and he ran him through with a spear. Bad thing to do, right? Eh, no. Numbers chapter 25, let me read this to you, verses 10 through 13. When this happened, then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Phineas, the son of Eleazar, the son of Aaron, the high priest, has turned away my wrath from the sons of Israel in that he was jealous with my jealousy among them so that I did not destroy the sons of Israel in my jealousy. Therefore, say, Behold, I give him my covenant of peace, and it shall be for him and his descendants after him a covenant of perpetual priesthood, because he was jealous for his God and made atonement for the sons of Israel. That's a interesting passage of Scripture, is it not? This didn't anger God. It pleased him. Why did it please him? He ple it pleased him because he said he, he saw that Phineas did this 
for the right motives, he did it out of jealousy for God. And God was pleased that Phineas was jealous for him. Now, I'm not obviously teaching that we should be going around running through anybody with spears today. And I'm certainly not advocating that, obviously. But notice how God was pleased by Phineas's jealousy for him. This act actually subdued God's own wrath towards Israel. It subdued his wrath. God is pleased and will honor us when we are jealous for him. He will honor us when we are jealous for him. And our dismissal of Santa should be out of jealousy for our Heavenly Father. That's why we should take a stand against Santa Claus. That's why it is a hill worth dying on. That is why we take a stand. Uh, and we should not be afraid to do it. You take a stand. You do what is right. And then you let the chips fall where they may. Obedience is always its own reward. Sometimes God rewards our obedience with material blessings, with material, you know, like tangible, not necessarily material, I shouldn't say that, but tangible blessings, something that we can see, something that's kind of obvious in our life. We see, oh, it's God, God rewarding my obedience here. Sometimes he does that, sometimes he doesn't. You know, read Hebrews chapter 11. Lots of people died in faith, never having received the promise. They were martyred. But obedience in and of itself is always its own reward. Okay, write that one down, dear friend. Obedience is always its own reward. You do what is right before God, what is pleasing before God, and when you are jealous for God, you know that that pleases Him. You do what is right, and you let the chips fall where they may. You do what is right, and you trust God for the results. Okay? So as we wrap this up, dear friends, if you do Santa with your kids or if you have friends who do, and I'm sure probably everyone listening to me does, I'm not saying that they're, I'm not trying to disparage them. I'm not trying, I'm not tr saying that they're bad parents. I'm not even saying that they're not believers. I'm not saying that. I am saying they haven't really thought through the implications of Santa. If they're doing Santa with their kids, they haven't really thought through it. They haven't thought through it in a biblical way. Uh, I am saying that, and I am saying we need to think through this issue from a purely biblical perspective. As Christians, everything that we do needs to be done all for the glory of God. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31, whether you eat or drink or sleep, whatever you do, do it for the glory of God. And there is no way that Santa can be done for the glory of God. It just can't. In light of the biblical truth that we've seen, there can be no legitimate reason for the Christian to do Santa. None of my pastor friends who faithfully preach the Word of God do Santa with their kids. None of them do. Now, most of my friends who are pastors or kids are getting a little bit older now anyway, but, um, but they didn't do Santa with their kids when they were that age. Um, they don't do it. Um, maybe, maybe you're listening to this series of programs or you have a friend and maybe you're talking with them. Maybe they're midstream in Santa. Maybe they've got kids and they've they've done Santa with their kids up to this point. Maybe you've been doing Santa for years and now you see, oh wow, I have never looked at it this way. So what do you do? If you're midstream with it, what do you do? Here's what you do. Tell your kids the truth. Tell your kids the truth. Apologize to God. Ask His forgiveness relationally. Not salvifically, if you're a Christian, you don't need 
salvific forgiveness. You need relational forgiveness. We all need that. So we confess our sin before God and, and tell your kids the truth. I have a friend that I went to seminary with, and um, a few years ago he told me that he had just told his 8-year-old daughter the truth about Santa. He, he, they had been doing Santa with their kids up until that point, but realized it was not the right thing to be doing. And so midstream, he told his little 8-year-old girl, you know, I'm sorry, Santa's not real. He, he told her the truth. And you know what? She was okay with it. And she seems to be no worse for the wear. And they're all looking forward to to Christmas now every year. They look forward to Christmas. So your kids will understand, okay? your kid, They're not as fragile. They're not the little snowflakes that so many of us seem to think that they are. They'll understand. In fact, as they grow up, when they grow up and they look back on that, you know what? They're going to admire you for doing it. They will. They will respect that. They will respect that. They'll see that you did the right thing. You were... You are honest enough to admit when you are wrong, and you did the right thing. They're going to look back, and I guarantee you they'll respect it. Whether or not there truly be Christians between them and God, but they will respect you for doing that. There's no shame in doing the right thing. It's always the right thing to do. Doing the right thing is always the right thing to do. And if you get Santa out of the picture, you know what? Christmas will not only be just as meaningful as before, but even more so. The absence of Santa cannot diminish the significance and the enjoyment of Christmas for those uh, for for believers. Can't do it. The absence of Santa will only enhance it. Will only enhance it. All right, dear friends. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, thank you for your emails. Keep them coming. Love to read them. And uh, future program ideas. I'm thinking our next big series, I'm thinking about going through the book of James. So um, if you have other ideas or maybe some things that we can kind of put on the docket after that, please do email me and let me know. Love to hear from you. All right, dear ones, uh, my book is available. If you would like my book, and the title is Do Not Hinder Them. Kind of in some ways goes along the lines of what we've been talking about, dealing with children and their conversion. So it's uh, available on my website now, justinpeters.org. And uh, that's it for today. Thank you so much. May God bless you, dear ones. Until our next time together, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Thank you for listening to Didache. We hope that you were encouraged and edified by what you just heard. If you have a question or comment for Justin, or are interested in more teaching resources, or would like to have him come and preach at your church or conference, you may contact him at justinpeters.org.